Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of Let's Talk Dubs. Apologize for the delay and putting out a few podcasts, but we'll get back up to snuff here. We've got plenty of interviews coming up and I'll go to that shortly. Um, Want to thank you guys for the support of the podcast. Also, there's an opportunity to get free stickers. How do you get a free sticker? It's easy. To get a free sticker, take your Facebook profile or your Instagram, uh, post a picture of the Let's Talk Dubs logo, uh, tag us in that picture, share it with your friends on Facebook, and then PM your address to me, and I'll mail you out some stickers for the Let's Talk Dub podcast. Also, if you'll happen to be in Huntington Beach, April 27th, I'll be out there in the Bull Run bus, and I'll possibly be out there live streaming from the HB Pier. So it should be pretty cool. Uh, come by, see me. I should have some shirts by then, as well as uh, plenty of stickers to give out to Let's Talk Dub fans. So appreciate the support, guys. Also, go on to iTunes and rate and review us. Uh, make sure you put a review. Give us five stars. And these reviews help us get more traffic and expose our podcast to more people. So we appreciate the support. Some of the people I want to give shout outs to is for giving us Mike Keo gave us a five stars easy groove. Our buddy, Eric Arnold gave us five stars, uh, buff man. Awesome dude. Double Oh seven, uh, gave us five stars and, uh, B Scroggs jr. Also Joey shoes, pointed brow, Ron, John LV and Katie Rosebud. So, uh, I'd like to see some reviews. You guys review us. I'll give you a shout out on the podcast. Appreciate the support. Look forward to it. Uh, just want to give you guys a heads up on some upcoming interviews. We've got currently Aaron Broughton is in the editing bay right now. So Aaron Broughton's going to get edited. Uh, interviewed Randy Carlson. We're going through some touch-ups on that one right now and getting some stuff edited and possibly a little bit of re-recording with uh, our buddy Randy Carlson from oldbug.com. And also... I've got Lanny Hussey from Canada, uh, VW Builder out of Canada, built some super dope rides. I'm sure you guys have seen them. They've been some real head turners over the past few years, and he'll be coming out with a new a new car this year, I think. So uh, lots of interviews to come up. Uh, they're all in the editing bay. So from this point forward, they'll be consistently dropping. Apologize for the delays, and just wanted to appreciate the support from everybody out there. So uh, here goes episode 14. Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of Let's Talk Dubs. I'm your host, Bill T. Uh, wanted to welcome in the studio today my guest, George T., my brother. How's everybody doing? So we brought George into the studio today. We decided that uh, today's episode is going to be about type 1 versus type 4. Um, so we're having a discussion about personal, uh, personal preferences in regards to motors, and we'll kind of break that down as we get into the podcast. So uh, I'll go ahead and start off. There's always been the debate back and forth between type one and type four. Mm -hmm. And in Europe, you see there's a lot of people run type four motors versus type one. There's numerous reasons why they do that. A lot of them are because in certain countries, you have to use factory parts and you can't use aftermarket parts. So some of them go around some of those rules that they have in their, uh, in their countries that way. The other thing is, at least in my opinion, is that people in Europe, they've already discovered where the power <laughs> lies and the power lies, the power reliability lies in the type four. What say you, George? So are they not allowed to run them? They can't run like CB heads or that's why they can't do that. They can't run an aftermarket product. It all has to be original VW. Yeah. In certain countries it has to okay. be OEM so they're working... type materials in some, not in yeah. all, in some. So that's why one of the reasons why you'll see some places working with type four motors, like let's say in Germany, because they've got those TUV yeah. standards. A lot of them work with, Type 4 stuff because it's got to be factory OEM equipment that's under the hood of the car. Correct. So, obviously, then they're working within parameters they have to keep. So, they've they've nurtured that that trend to go with the Type 4. Just for the fact that if they're limited to using original VW equipment, they're going to work within those parameters. And you wouldn't go grab the smallest VW stuff to work with. You'd grab the biggest VW stuff to work with, which in, turn, in, in the air-cooled world would be the 2-liter Type 4 motor. 
Um, so I can see why they, they would have started that. My argument towards it, number one issue with Type 4 are the Type 4 heads. Um, they have a tendency to overheat, and that can be very problematic in an air-cooled VW. Well, so, and the, and the answer to that is really when you buy Type 1 motors, you never, no one ever really uses stock heads. Everybody buys never. new and aftermarket heads. And I think the problem is people follow this misnomer that Type 4 stuff is so much more expensive that they try to reuse used heads without having them gone through. And then with certain head shops having a tough time working on air-cooled stuff versus you know water-cooled heads and whatnot, they don't have the technique to do them properly. So I think a lot of times, here's my two cents. So my two cents is, A, they, do, they, they are synonymous with dropping valves because of overheating, okay? So that could be from a lot of the pancake-style motors. I think in the VW bus motors, I think a lot of it has to do with people lugging motors too hard and pushing these small little motors a little Correct. bit too much like that. But I think that's been taken care of with the aftermarket heads that come out. I mean, as we know, and I can attest to in my bus. So my bus has a 2270 Type 4 motor, Jake Raby motor that I put in back in 2001. That motor probably, if I had to guess mileage on that motor, I'd probably have to guess 50,000 miles on Easily. that motor. Um, that's the motor that took us through Bull Run. And I mean, that thing's had... That, I, I mean, that thing's had... The only time it's had the valve adjusted on that motor is when you've adjusted the valves. Yeah. I've never adjusted the valves, you know. It's a very low-maintenance motor and it, puts out a ton <clears> of power. In in comparison to a, a Type 1 engine of its equal, um, I'm not sure if the Type 1 would still be going with what that motor actually has been put through. So I'll go to my first point in regards to why I like a Type, a type 4 motor as opposed to a Type 1. One of the reasons and one of the philosophies that I got behind on the Type 4 motor was that you can build a motor, you can build a 2.2 liter with using 95% German parts versus a 2.2 liter Type 1, you're going to use 95% aftermarket parts versus factory parts. So starting with the using the OEM factory equipment, the 2270 that I have is equivalent to a 1641. It's basically machine in, uh, it's actually, I think they might even be slipping big bore pistons. 95 millimeter Keith black pistons. And, uh, it's, it's a motor that's been tried and true. It's got a huge torque. Um, we had that motor in the dyno back, uh, 2000. When I do my first dyno day, I did my first dyno day, 2003, 2003 2006, 2006, I think it was the first dyno day, 2006. And we did it in 2007 as well. But I, I actually, I found the video for the dyno day too. So I'm going to get that video up and, See if I can't get it published on our Let's Talk Dubs podcast paper or uh, website. But the Type 4 did very impressive numbers. Yeah. Where you're saying a slip-in piston motor, it, it's essentially 145 torque, if I remember correctly. It's Yeah, it's 135 horse and 140 some odd pound-feet of and torque. And that's to the wheels, not yeah. not to the flywheel. That was on, that was on the rollers. That, that was our first Turkey Day Torque Fest that we held here in Vegas on Thanksgiving weekend where we just had a buddy that had a shop with a dyno in it and we drug him out and had him uh, fire up the dyno and we had like maybe 15 of us out there and everybody just got to run their cars on the dyno see what they thought was the big power and then uh, we kind of saw what the type 4 did and for for an engine it, you know that motor for all intents and purposes is like a 1641 it's just bumped up pistons obviously a bigger it's, uh, cam it's got and, a counterweighted crank yeah it's got a built it's got a, a a That's his camp. camper special, correct? Correct? Is no, that, just, was that his uh, rabies camp, was, camper special? I don't think he had a camper special back then in two thousand one when I bought. But the I know it does have a it does have a camshaft in it. It's got yeah. bigger valve heads. It's got larger um, valve dual heads. springs on the heads. Yep. Uh, I'm assuming it's solid shaft rockers. I, it's been a while since I did the valves in it, but I assume he went yeah, solid, solid shaft, shaft rockers. rockers, elephant feet adjusters. I mean, all the same stuff you do in, in a uh, in a typical type one build. Type one build. And so my, my philosophy with it is you can build a motor using 90% German parts, having plenty of power and long-term reliability. So now we're here. We are 17 years later and my bus still runs solid, runs strong, never had the heads off, never had to torque the heads. We talk about the heads being the weak point, but the reality is the, the, the one saving grace to your engine is the sharp built shroud that's on it, as opposed to the original shrouding. Um, and a lot of the problem with the original shrouding, first off, is the space constraints it makes when you go to install it into a Type 1 or a bus 
that's just not happening with that shrouding on it. But when you go to something like the sharp built shroud, like you have on there, and for people to know, that's the poor style shroud that actually seals off the engine compartment. Very nice, uh, very nice kit, by the way. But I think that that helps keep temperatures down as well. One of the main problems that people have with the type fours, when people would rebuild them or work on them, even they would mess up the actual original thermostatic switches that move flaps inside the shrouding. And I think that's where a lot of people were getting overheating problems just from uh, inexperienced people working on them. Matter of fact, you experienced that yourself, obviously, with the uh, Type 3 Gia having to go through that and a flap being shut that shouldn't have been shut and actually heated up one side and ruined it. So there, there, there's probably where they got their reputation for overheating is that original shrouding having issues, having problems, and then not being addressed, and then the people would burn up the engines. And a lot of people do lug those things. They hit a hill, and they, they don't understand. The motor wants a little bit of RPM to keep that fan going at a decent speed, and they don't keep it in that power band to where it will make it up the hill that way. Yeah, I mean, the reality is we've taken my bus several times to Southern California, you know, three grown, full-size dudes in California that California is nothing compared to the hills that we climbed going through New Mexico. I mean, oh, yeah. we got up to elevations so high, we couldn't even keep, uh, our eyes were watering inside the car because obviously it's a carbureted I engine, not fuel injection. fumes were getting in the car. <laughs> well, it was also, if you remember, it blacked out one of the uh, one of the twists. It had yeah. so much soot coming out of the exhaust. Fat. Yeah. So we did like a 6,000 foot climb in one day in that bus. Yeah. And but it I, didn't even but, sweat. But I mean, uh, you know. Going back to making the decision versus type one. I mean, I've got a type one. I've had a type one 2270 sitting on the shelf here in my garage for literally sitting on a, on on a engine, engine stand, stand for about five years now. Yeah, not it's, stabbed it's, in everything's anything. Everything's brand new. Yeah. It's all brand new stuff, and you know, I don't really jump in and and uh, I'm not excited to put that thing in anything. I'd like to put it in something. Uh, I'd like to put it in something turboed, maybe something ridiculous. And then my my other one of my other feelings where I'm more pro type one versus type pro type four versus type one is I really like the torque factor. You know, the type fours have a lot of torque. The the case substantially stronger than a type one case. That is the big selling point yeah. is the case. The the case is heavier, a lot heavier. It's probably thirty pounds. I think it's eighteen pounds different, something like that. It's quite a bit pounds. different. And uh, I think the biggest difference to me, the massive amount of torque, the case is the so V my my thought process is VW engineered all the flaws from the type one motor out of the engine with the type four and with the heavy duty case, they changed the head design a little bit. They did a few different parts and pieces and things. Lifters go in separately. They're not, they're not inside the case with it. You can change a lifter. Right. I mean, they, they, without they, splitting they, the case, which is awesome. It's different development, but you know, uh, I was talking to Adam Wick not too long ago and their big issue with type fours were fifth stud heading, you know, fifth stud heads and all that stuff because there's such thin material around the edge. So yeah. When you're talking full-blown race motor, now there was still plenty of fast, big Type 4 motors, but the reality is um, the bottom end of the motors are rock solid. I mean, they're they're bulletproof. You've got an oil filter, built-in oil filter in the motor. You've got, uh, you know, um, the the de- the different head design, the port design. Um, and my, like mine with the sharp-built style shroud setup. So, by the way, if anybody's looking for a sharp-built fan shroud setup, I actually... Uh, have reproduced some similar fan shrouds so that I could have some fan shrouds and not have to wait for them to come all the way around the world. So anybody's got interest in a sharp built style fan shroud, I do have a mold for some of those. So, um, but I know that uh, with the 911 fan shroud on there, that I, I do have a DTM shroud that I've never used. I've got a bunch of core type four motors. Yeah, listen, they're not the prettiest thing, but they're, suppo- they're supposed to be really efficient in respect to cooling and whatnot and uh you know if i had a car to put them in if i had a car and a motor ready to put it in i might try to put it in one but you know bought that a few years ago and it's still sitting on the shelf so um but going so back let, let, let's talk about the torque factor um and that that's a big deal and usually that's that's related to the camshaft selection the size of the crank things of that nature um i have a 2332 uh, type one upright in my bus and it can, I would say my bus can easily hang with the bull run bus uphills, yeah. all that oh, yeah. stuff. But there are type I fours mean, that, throw, that, yeah, that get away the, from me. Anybody saw the Facebook video. You have to throw tires at me like road, yeah, road anyway. debris, try to <laughs> slow me down. But, 
My bus is just busy shredding tires. That's what and it so does. Let, let, so let's talk about that, for example. So we came back so, from California. We drove to the Octo Show. And if you go on my Facebook page, you can probably find it. I'll post, I'll post a little video up on it on our, uh, on our Let's Talk Dubs Facebook page. I'll just clip the video on it and share it over there. And what, one of the things that you'll see is George and I running up the hill. I think we're going up Cajon Pass, and we were yeah. racing, dodging in between and out of cars. And, uh, and then, you know, we you know, be bopping around lanes and then George got in front of me and then I'm hauling up, reeling him in. And then he spits a tire, hits like a tire retread and hits me in the front of the bullnose bus. And, uh, it was pretty cool. It was on Facebook live. So a lot of people got to see it, but it was pretty funny. But so the, the takeaway where, where I was going with, with my thing on that is, so I have a 2332 CC engine in mind okay, and well, that's, I'm gonna finish my story real quick. I'm gonna finish my story. The takeaway that you get from that is your 2332 is two years old. My 22... 11, 2011, that thing was okay. built. When we raced a couple of years ago coming up that hill, it was a couple of years ago. Mm-hmm. It was a few years old. It, it hadn't been run every single day. I mean, no. it was, it, okay, it's been parked for a couple of years. Now, putting things in perspective, that 2270 and the 2332, <clears throat> that's a 16-year-old motor we're running up that hill together. So that, that's mm-hmm. the part that's pretty impressive about it. Like, we're both no, running your full motor's guns. motor's very impressive. It's a Raby motor. They're, so far, everything I've seen from Raby has been extremely impressive. Well, um, he, it, he builds a very listen, nice engine. Listen, the bottom line is the Type Four, being sixteen years old, still was slugging it out going up the hill when he haven't yeah. had any major, major or anything like that. So anyway, you can go back to what you were saying. So what I'm saying is, so my motor being a 2332 CC engine, that is pretty maxed out for Type One. Obviously, there's a 2386 afterwards, and you can start getting crazy into 2400 and all that stuff if you're getting really custom, but you're limited. And there's a saying in, in engines and, and power, there's no replacement for displacement. So that's when you start getting to, you know, we got probably three type fours in this town, yours being one of them in the carbon cab, uh, Sean McClellan's double cab, Scott Moses's double cab, and uh, Cliff Usher's uh, Cookies Lamore bus. All those are big type four displacement engines, 2,600 plus. And that's where you get your, your power from. That's where you're getting that torque going up a hill. So that's the one thing that I really enjoy about a Type 4 is how big you can go in displacement and still be reliable. You know, if, if I'm correct, Sean's is a 2640? 26, there are 2650s, the motors. Okay, so 2650 cc's. We put that together in 2007 in his bus, and it's been in his bus yeah. Ever since then. Let me correct what you were saying. When he says he put it together, they installed the engine in yeah. that bus. So so these these motors are a... Uh, they're, the they're, motors, they're fat performance engines. They're fat. They're fat performance engines, top of the line that were built in around uh, probably in the late 80s. And they were shelved for a while, mm-hmm. and then they ended up surfacing on the street. And these were no expense spared torque motors built to a military spec mm-hmm. um i actually have the receipt for what was what was done for mine what the spec sheet was on it and those motors were built sat for years and then ended up surfacing came up on the street i ended up getting one from darren they were also built with single carb manifolds and Correct. both of those now are running on 48 idas well, no mine's, my, mine's running 44s oh 44s okay. yeah but so the point is those motors sat for a long time. They got put in these buses. They're bulletproof. And I mean, mine mine was in my, my 2650 was in my carbon cab when I went to debut it at the VW Classic. Mm-hmm. And pulling into the VW Classic, I burned up. I ran it out of oil and I burned the motor up. So yeah. that was not the engine's fault. No, not at no. all. Totally, totally, my, totally my screw up. And then uh, Fat Performance rebuilt it for me. I took another 2600 that I had sitting in the garage that I bought from some guy on a Samba. Switched over the top end. The motor kind of ran like crap. And uh, the 2600 went back to type 4. but went back to fat performance. They rebuilt the whole thing. Now that 2600 is going into my 51 split window. It's actually in my 51 split window. I made it up to a uh, Berg 5-speed transmission. So that thing, those 2650s in a bug are just a blast to drive. And here's the thing. Going back to why type 4, in my opinion, are superior street driving motors all out drag racing motors, I think Type One's got it hands down in respect. Just because the R's, they can hit way higher R's yeah. than you can in a Type Four. Type Fours are not made for for high RPMs. They they stop at about fifty four hundred RPM, just like my motor does. They're not designed for. They're not going to bounce. I mean, you can you can build anything to bounce off of eight grand all day long, but 
most people aren't building them with that kind of displacement to hit eight grand. So they have, uh, so with that being said, drag racing wise, I think type ones have been proven themselves. At least there's, that's what everyone's using in the drag racing circuit now. And really the motors aren't even, I don't even know if maybe the distributor drive gear might be the original VW part. I don't even know if they're, you know, if most of them are probably using crank fire ignition and stuff, but, um, in respect to street driving, I'm surprised more people don't do type fours because type fours have substantially more torque, more bottom end grunt, which is really what you feel when you're driving is that bottom end, that bottom end grunt and that pull. So when, when I built my motor, it was actually designed after a type type four engine, not, not designed after, but designed after the power curve of the type four. I wanted all bottom end grunt when, when it was built, we wanted something that could road trip, um, and not have any issues and, and still pull a hill without even thinking about it. So we built it with a bottom end cam. I actually have only 4035 heads, nothing too crazy because I wanted it to be a stump puller from the word get. So I actually designed it basically after the bull run motor is what I was trying to emulate in the type one world. So the other thing that they have is, so there's, there's a company out to kind of cover for the heads. I'm looking for the name of the company that comes out. The Remmel, Remmel Motorsports. So Remmel Motorsports, I'd love to get a set of their heads. Remmel Motor, uh, or yeah, Remmel Motorsports builds a set of type four heads that are, um, are they the ones doing the, uh, the exits like a type one? Yeah. So they have them with an exit exhaust system like type one. They're fully aluminum. I've kind of hit these guys up. Hopefully we'll get them on the podcast sometime soon. And, uh, they make type four aftermarket billet aluminum heads. Uh, I know when I was talking to Adam Wick, his, his thought process was that, you know, their biggest, the biggest issue was that they have, uh, you know, the heads are weak on type fours. You know, there's not enough meat too thin. And so I talked to the guys, I, I was texting back and forth on Facebook with a guy from uh, Ramel, which I think is how you say it. And I talked to him about it and said, you know, Hey, do you need to fifth stud your heads? He says, no, our heads don't warp. They're yeah. substantially stronger than the factory heads. And so, you know, that being said, I think if you were to get some of those heads from the, uh, from those guys in Germany, I think those are, some pretty, yeah, you're, some pretty I'm monster sure rockstar heads. Sure so, so this is my main argument when it comes the difference between Type One and, and Type Four engines is strictly cost. What you're going to have into a Type Four engine, you could build a pretty radical Type One. And when I say radical, I don't mean it needs to be, uh, you know, radical cam and all this stuff. I'm, when I say radical, I mean it could be pretty detailed, uh, really nice, potentially even turboed for the cost you're going to spend into a Type Four engine. Because if I remember correctly, you know, you're looking at if you're doing a fully built Type Four shrouded out, basically turnkey, you're easily in the area of fourteen to fifteen thousand dollars. I, I don't. I, I I'm gonna say that I don't think that's necessarily. Well, you're gonna be fourteen thousand bucks building a wide open Type One motor. That's what I'm saying. If you you take you're the budget price. of fourteen thousand dollars, you could build the craziest Wazoo Type One engine, and and like I said, displacement. Pot- you're gonna be the potentially same. turbo it. And matter of fact, you can't build a 2600 type one and you can build a 2600 type four with all factory heads, factory, factory, 90% well, you, factory, everything. You're also just now you're bringing up using an aftermarket head to correct the, it's the, just, the it's, thin. But when you say aftermarket head, everybody that builds a VW motor, correct. everyone that but, builds a type one most, puts an aftermarket most head. Most are based on VW castings. CB heads are the, based on no, a VW no. casting. They copied a, a VW casting. Correct. The, and, and, this, and the heads, the AMC heads, they are VW casting. They're not a different kind of casting. Yeah, they're absolutely. a factory type casting. So the fact of the matter is they're still, it, it's a new it's a new built head. And they're 1000 bucks or six, 650 bucks for a set of heads. You know? So uh, I'd be interested to see if this uh, Rebel Motorsports, if they were actually able to get the price and I don't know what the price is and I'll try to see if I can find on there. I see that they use vintage speed exhaust, which I'm a, I'm a big fan of on the type fours. They're yeah. the one we did on Scott Moses. The double cab is gorgeous. Yeah. The, the TIG welder. Beautiful. Well, they got, listen, big fan of those. They do, uh, they do pretty good work over there in Taiwan, believe it or not. They on do those exhaust systems. So everything, their breathers, their everything. 
Yeah, the maybe, air cleaners are maybe we'll get the guys. Sick. Maybe we'll get the guys from uh, Let's Talk or from uh, Vintage Speed on the podcast. We can talk about some of the new stuff they have they have coming up. But on this uh, Ramel Motorsports, uh, let me see. Go on their website where you see how much those heads are going to cost. But anyway, back to your point. You can go ahead and uh, try to convince the the world on type ones. I mean, that's the debate that we're having. I mean, that's the purpose of this podcast is we're gonna, we're, we're kind of back and forth on the type one versus type type four. And I think my disposition on it is bottom line at the end of the day, you want the most torque for the least amount of money and you're going to build it yourself. You need less machine work to a type four. You need a set of heads so you can order new heads just like you would for a VW. Mm-hmm. You wouldn't, you know, no even stock heads, you pull them off uh, 60% of them are cracked between the valves. You know yeah. what I mean? Or you, so you're going to need to get that stuff. But, uh, I think if a guy's do it yourself, or I think a Type Four is going to be your your biggest challenge in the beginning is going to be the cooling setup because you're going to have to convert it to an upright shroud. So that's going to cost you a grand to fifteen hundred bucks yeah. either way. Well, more you know? than that because if you're going to go upright, you need to have the Porsche alternator and fan, which has got. I know that's not cheap yeah. either. Yeah, you no. know the shrouding kit is fifteen hundred dollars for the shroud kit. That is no ring, no alternator, no fan. Yeah, the so shroud, all that the, stuff needs the, to be the original Porsche. It might be more than that. Yeah. But I'm trying to find on uh, this Ramel Motorsport. I can't believe that there's no way to translate this page. They don't have an English button on here. Unbelievable, bro. Hmm. Surprise, they're still in they business. They don't want your business, bro. I guess they ain't not. trying to get Americans over there, bro. So Look well, at them. Are those BBS wheels? They are. Stunning. You know, finding out the cost on these heads, I think, would be... I can guarantee there could be a lot more than like I a think set of these, CB Wedgeport heads or something like that. I think it was a set of CB Wedgeport heads, fifteen hundred bucks, fifteen, sixteen hundred okay. bucks, somewhere in that area. If they get their price point on these heads to fifteen, sixteen hundred bucks, they probably see, wouldn't be. They, I, but let's let's say their why. price point is three thousand dollars on those heads, which in 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 relation to if you were going to go that larger displacement in a Type One, you'd be looking right. at three thousand dollars heads too. Here we go. I'm trying to. I don't really understand German, but uh, I'm trying to. I'm sure uh, that price in euros as well. What is this here? So we have to look at exchange Where rates. Where's this dribble? Was there's no button. To, this euros eight ninety euros, but I, I don't even know what what this is here. So uh, motor and check in uh, type four. Hmm. This makes for super interesting podcasting so, when no one can see anything on the screen. That's so uh, we're not talking about any of that. Well, I'm looking up something while while you're supposed to be defending your type ones. Look so up. type ones. Cooling shroud system, all that stuff is going to be a ton cheaper. Um, the one thing I do like about the Porsche shrouds are is the fact that you're running a, a Porsche alternator. Uh, I'd assume they're probably going to have a longer longevity than um, than the Type One alternators. So that's got to be a bonus there. Oh yeah, but I mean, with my my nine eleven shroud, I've I only burned up an alternator and went to have it rebuilt. But I think we had I couldn't get the voltage regulator or some some issue, which yeah. I changed it. And plus. I've been buying up the Porsche shroud or the Porsche alternators everywhere I go. If I go to swap me, I see a Porsche alternator there. Just I just buy it. it. So I think I have four. I think I've got four of them. But uh, the, I've had, I, I love about the 911 style fan shroud. I, my favorite thing about it is how simple it bolts on. It's two bolts top, tighten it up, and it's done. Yeah, like, changing them is really easy. Like I don't care if you're in type one or type two. It, it literally pulls right out. Very yeah. nice, very simple setup. So, um, as opposed to like, if you're say you got to change your alternator in a bus and I know people can do it in there. That's great. More, more power to you. I'll pull a motor to change the alternator. Just make sure I get the shimming proper on the fan and everything like that. You know, so that, that makes a little more work on a type one. I can remove deck lids and hinges and pull the entire fan shroud straight up to change them out. Take that into consideration when you're working on it. I'm kind of going against my own argument there that the type four with a, Porsche upright shroud would be simpler to work on as well. The one thing I really don't care for also when you're doing a, the uh, Porsche shrouds linkage, I'm a big fan of Berg linkage. I like it a lot. It works well and it doesn't require a ton of maintenance and you can get those carbs to hit exactly the same every time. So I'm a big fan of the Berg linkage. When you're dealing with a upright shroud, you don't have that option. The only option you have is... You have a bell crank linkage. Bell but, the bell, but the bell crank linkage is pretty good. I mean, I've, I really had no issues with mine. I take that back. On, on Sean McClellan's, on his 48s, we do have we do have the horseshoe clamps on the top of his 48s. We're running a CB crossbar linkage on his, which I actually like that better. His his stays in tune a lot more 
you know, I noticed when we do road trips, say it was uh, last time we went to Salt Lake City and Scott Moses was in his double cab, when we would get areas, same with Cliff Usher, their idle was higher. And I think that has to do with engine temperatures and expansion and contraction rates on that linkage. Usually when you're doing bell crank, it's super sensitive, that kind of stuff. It has a different expansion and contraction rate than the engine itself. So, so who? So what were you saying? Whose motor was running faster? They or, run fat. The, the, the idles faster when they come off the freeway and stuff like that. And I think it's just because the motor is at a higher temperature. You're saying type fours? The type fours, yes. And I'm not saying they're. I'm not saying they're higher in temperature. Like we hit them with a gun or anything like that. I'm saying because it's now at operating temperature and probably slightly above what it was tuned to. It's adjusted the linkage to where it's maybe potentially holding it open a touch. It just, uh, th that's the one downfall I've noticed a lot with the type four engines that I've put on the streets. Yeah. I don't think, I mean, that, that, that could have some truth to it, but I don't think it's any big deal if your idle's a little high when you get off the freeway, but no. And you're also talking about, we were doing pretty serious road trips and, <coughs> well, and that's yanking a five, some that, grades. That's a, that's a 500 mile. That's a, that's no Baker grade, but it's a 500 mile. That's trip. a grade. Which one? Going to Salt Lake city and back. There's grades both ways. And they're oh. just, they're just long. They're not like a Baker grade or like a cone no, it's a where long, it's one it, shot. It's a long, slow grade, but they're long, it is slow not grades. Baker grade. Baker grade's got, do you got two things working against you with Baker grade? You've got the, radical the, the radical <coughs> incline of baker grade first second you have the temperature yeah it's always hotter in baker than any place else well like when we did winter octo it was still pretty cool but you also have usually winds winds like crazy on those grades so all right you're getting off topic back to your type one Type one, yeah. So you build, so 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 you build me your ultimate type one that you're gonna have. It's the engine I have in my bus. So twenty, it's twenty three thirty two, FK seven camshaft, forty four Weber's. It's reliable. It goes. I don't have an issue with it. I'm not constantly tweaking and working on it. I do have an issue right now with uh, with uh, oil containment. Right. From blow by, you're talking about. Well, I put a a, a Berg dipstick in it, and it just. It seems to push out of that. If I if I lift, you talking about the one with the uh, the temperature sensor, so it'll make your light flicker when you hit two twenty five. Oh, I just want to see how accurate my gauges were, and my gauges. This is a shout out to uh, uh, Autometer. My gauges are pretty much on the money. When that light starts flickering, I'm at two twenty, a little a hair past it on my gauge. Yeah. So. Well, that's Gene Berg. He didn't need an autometer. Gene Berg just made a dipstick. To well, that's you. why. That's why he did it because it's actually it's had, way had, more accurate. I, way I had, more accurate. I had one of those dipsticks. I don't remember what happened to it, but I had one of those dipsticks on. Uh, I think on my turbo motor. Yeah, they're only thirty five bucks, so they're yeah. not. They're not in the. So totally worth it. Um, if you guys uh, want to get something like that, one of those Berg dipsticks, totally worth it. But so, um, if you're say you have a bay window bus and. You know, why is it got to be a big one to bus? I'm saying a later bay, mm -hmm. and your original motor is a Type Four motor. Um, are you going to say fuel injected, or are you going to carburet it, or potentially like when you had AJ Sims on here talking about getting the manifold that would take something like his Fitech setup on that, which I think would be the ultimate. So I have a customer, uh, Kevin Dude. Shout out to Kevin Dude. Uh, we did a '79 bay window and redid his engine, all stock, all original all the EFI intact and in place. Um, and that is just so sensitive to vacuum leaks. The way that that system works is you start pulling vacuum and there's a fuel gauge or some sort of Bosch component that registers the vacuum. And as soon as you get one crack anywhere, not I'm not talking about crack or break, but like a, a hose leak. slips vacuum off leak. of something, the car's not starting anymore. And that kind of stuff can get pretty frustrating. But you know, Kevin has worked out a lot of the bugs in that system and, uh, and it, we call her Lucy. She fires up reliably constantly, which is a good thing. And, and the type fours, when everything is going properly on them, the injection works, the shrouds all in place, it can be a great motor. It can be a nice little powerhouse. And they were made to push those buses up hills and get them going. Well, you got the, you got the big heavy duty bottom end. You yeah. Know what I mean, that's good. So I built both engines. I built type fours and I built Type ones. I've only built a type, type four. Is a very very simple short block to put together. Which I I literally the first time I did it, I took it back apart, and this is when I was working over at Beetle Barn, and I had to go grab Justin, saying, "I know I forgot something. Can you please just look in here and tell me that I have to have forgot something?" But that's the thing is like when the lifters go in after the fact, and you don't have all that stuff to mess around with. You literally lay the crank in there, put the camshaft in there, and button it up, and it's 
it, you know, Your bottom it seems so simplified. Yeah. So simplified, which I, I really enjoyed that about it. And then also when you're torquing the heads, not having to worry about the push rod tubes being in place and all the other malarkey that goes into type ones. And also the push rod tube angles seem a lot nicer on a type four than on the type one. My argument still falls back to just straight up cost. It sounds like George is a type four guy. I don't I don't see the difference in cost. I'm looking at here on a website and so let's take there, my four hundred and nineteen euros uh for each brand new uh cylinder head with thirty nine by thirty three valves. So uh, those are let's talk. Those I would think yeah, those are and I would the, think the small valves are definitely fuel injection because you're looking at emissions motors there. And now this is just me shooting from the hip. I don't know if that's correct or not, but I know that fuel injection motors went with smaller valves to keep engine temperatures higher for better emissions. Right, burn more exhaust. So let's take a look at a set of Type 4 heads. <clears throat> so uh, let's see. So oh, there you go. Double A performance. He does Type 4, uh-huh. and I'm pretty sure it does a big valve setup. Well, these are, the, these are the AMC heads right here. Uh-huh. So 2 liter cooler round port, round port heads. Let's see. Porsche two liter nine fourteen forty two by thirty six pair of heads there are seventeen hundred bucks. Okay, seventeen hundred. So if you in comparison, no, pay now pay attention. These are two liter nine fourteen relocated spark plug. I would think these are a factory cast uh, Porsche Porsche style head. Um, and I mean, you can get three thousand bucks in these heads with the four, the fifty by forty valves, um, two port stage port and polish i mean you can get pretty crazy with these things but then again people are putting me in 914 so yeah you have the market they can charge for it but realistically 48 by 38 valves 2700 bucks for a set of heads i mean the heads seem to be getting pretty dang expensive over here 1800 bucks i think you'd see the same thing when you start going to type ones that are okay but that well, okay, let's, let's add no, the, i'm saying price wise you're gonna see a comparable to 2000 3000 when you're getting crazy wazoo heads you're gonna definitely see those prices so Here's the difference. If you're spending $1,500, $1,700, $2,000 on a set of heads, but you don't have to buy a five, $600 brand new aluminum case, you're saving that money. You do save that. You know what I mean? You can use, you can use a factory crank. It's interesting because they, they started counterweighting cranks. You see like uh, General Motors and stuff like that because they were in the V8 motors, they have counterweighted cranks because of the V design of the motor. One of the aspects that they said on a boxer motor was that they didn't need to counterweight the motor because of the counter, uh, the, the the counter punch of the piston in the boxer design. It's not necessary because it doesn't stress the crank out like that. Now everybody does use counterweighted cranks on their aftermarket, um, on their aftermarket engines, obviously to get a motor to run a little bit smoother and whatnot. But the reality is, um, you know, you don't need to. It's not. It's not necessarily the most important thing that you have to get a counterweight crank. So you could use, if a guy's well, trying to, if a guy, if a guy says a stock crank, but you don't a, want to, if a guy says, well, why wouldn't you want to? Because I'll, you're going to go with stroke. But the, anytime you're building an engine, I tell this to everybody, why would you not stroke it? Like it, it to me, it's just silly well, not but, to, that's but, the most power you're going to get out of your engine but stroke. But it's not necessarily the case. Your power comes. Okay. We taught, we discussed displacement. Displacement is going to give you your most punch, but Heads and cam is where you get all your power. That's Heads where and you cam get are going to determine your, your power band. Correct. So if we're building motor for motor, block for block, and you're building a 2270 type, 2276 type type one, and I'm building a 2270 type four, I'll build a 2270 cheaper. It's going to be cheaper no matter what, because I don't got to buy a new case. I buy a nice set of heads. Shrouding here. is going to. Here's the funny thing: that alternator and ring are going to be about the cost of your case. Yeah, but what do you, what are you going to use for your type one setup? Just a stock setup? Type 1, yeah. I have an upright. I have a doghouse shroud. I have all that stuff in mind. Type 1 alternator. All the all type 1 tins. So, um, let's see here. 78 millimeter stroker crank. So, that's what mine's got. Mine, mine has a 78 millimeter crank. and Is that a type 4 or type 1? Yeah, that's type 4. So, and the cranks that, the cranks that, he, the, the, the crank that I have that's, um, in my bus is a crank from DPR performance. It's Javier's crank and they're welded and counterweighted. So it's not a brand new forged crank. Um, let me see also. And then 96 millimeter piston. So I'm 78 by 96, uh, on that motor, but that's been a pretty dang good setup for me. Um, 
What's the valve sizes on my heads? Let me take a look here. Valve size on my heads are... Mm, all right, it doesn't say, but... Um, I think it's a fat, I think, but I think they're OEM. I think they're OEM style heads on there. Heads not coming there. That's weird. Um, but uh, these things are just rock solid, man. I mean, I swear, I swear by them. I swear by the torque. Like every time I get in a VW with a stock motor, uh, yeah, 914, 912E head stud kits, RS, RS plus cylinder heads. So I don't know what the RS plus cylinder heads are, but uh, we'll see the RS plus. But every time you get in a stock engine, every time every time I get in a stock VW engine, it just doesn't. I mean, it, it, they're super lethargic, flat power man. They yeah. just don't have the grunt. So, you know, I envision the motor that I have, my twenty two seventy. It's like a sixteen forty one. It's big pistons and it's stock crank. I mean, it's a bigger crank, but it's a stock crank length. I get you. You keep comparing it to a sixteen forty one because of the amount of parts you change. That, that's I get already it. for you're aftermarket saying it, parts. You're saying it's it, it is a, a a piston swap, and you're good to go. Your motor's far beyond a piston swap and ready to go. Well, no, I mean, if you really wanted to. To, to to take a stock if you're taking two stock you got a stock, a stock 1600 and you have a stock one seven or two liter or what a 50 dollar boat anchor type four motor that no one wants except for that guy on craigslist who's trying to sell a stock one for like a thousand dollars it's original vw yeah. to a bus but you, just so you know <laughs> but if you get that uh if you get that motor and you're starting stock for stock and you've got all the parts and pieces and let's say you're building a type three right so you're building a Type 3, you use all the factory shrouding. You mm-hmm. use all that factory stuff, so your cooling's not an issue. Mm-hmm. Type 1, I think you're going to have more of an issue with uh, Type 1 motor, cooling-wise. In a Type 3? Yeah. Oh, for sure. It's not a sealed engine compartment. No, no. What I'm saying, a Type 3 a type three pancake motor, 2200, mm-hmm. and Type 4 pancake motor, 2200, mm-hmm. in a square back, I believe the Type 4 motor would run cooler. I believe the cooling system on the Type 4 pancake design is better than the Type 3 pancake design because you're talking 20 years of evolution is there, 20 years of engineering. So uh, I think that, um, I think I think going big bore, like let's say my Type 34 Ghia, <clears throat> that car I had a 2600 in, my new Type 34 Ghia that I'm going to start building here shortly, that motor I've got 914 two-liter motor. It's got the better heads. I've got that motor. I'll pull that motor down, split it all apart, and then change, have the heads worked. I might put a thousand bucks in the heads, getting new valves, get, you know, Adam Wick can do a set of heads, I think thousand, fifteen hundred bucks for machine work and all that stuff to get them done. Cause they're already starting with the really good high quality type four, 914 heads. I'll get a set of pistons, um, maybe get a counterweight to crank for it. Don't have to, cause it's gonna be a street motor. It's not like I'm gonna be running the thing at 7,000 RPM all day long. It's, it's a, it's a street motor. That's that's what I'm saying. Like people build these type one motors and I get it. They go with a counterweight to crank. Most people don't have a motor that has a hundred thousand miles on it. Most people never have a big motor, 1776. They're few and far between. And if you got one out there, post it up on Let's Talk Dubs on our Facebook page so we can see, post a picture of your motor and kind of shoot it out there that you've got over a hundred thousand miles on a big built VW motor. And what I mean by big built is 1776 or above. Because I think most people don't keep those, those cars that long. You know what I mean? The the perception is they're a little bit more disposable. But I think with that setup, that 2 liter 914 setup, blow it apart, put a cam, crank, have the heads worked, put it back together. Powder coat, polish all the all the factory type 4 stuff. I think I, bought, I ended up getting the motor for like $200 or something. I looked up the serial number. It's a 914 motor. So I kind of scored on getting the motor. But bottom line... I could I could build that whole motor, twenty you know twenty two hundred. If I did a, a simple twenty two seventy, <clears throat> I could do that motor five six grand. Same that I got in this twenty two seventy six. It's over here. That was all brand new parts, you know. And I think at the end of the day, I'd have a motor. I know that my nine fourteen or once I get I can my, say your scratch closer to seven well, induction we'll system, like for carburation. Well, we'll see. Exhaust. I, I mean, who knows? I shrouding. Know, one of the things that I everything that I, you're going to do to make it. No, fit it's not shrouding. It's, I'm going to use a factory. I'm going to use the OEM shroud. I'm going to use all that stuff. Mm-hmm. I'm just going to use short manifolds. I'm going to do carburetors. I'm almost thinking, I would actually like to try a fuel injection setup on Agreed. that. Agreed. I think AJ's Phytech 
lends itself very well. Yeah, if there's if there's a possibility to get a Phytech fuel injection set up on it and keep it pancake and do that kind of stuff, because I kind of I don't know why I like the pancake look. I mean, it just makes you could do well. You're not it. distorting the car any. The well, car came with a pancake engine right. in it, and you wanted to kind of keep its stock aesthetics about it. I would yeah, say. Yeah, the challenge I think is getting that that motor to sit below the uh, to sit below the rear engine tray. Yeah. But when I had when I had that, so after the 2600 that was in my Type Four, after I had a little issue because of the way. Some of the cooling tin was assembled, and I had the motor kind of re, uh, had the motor rebuilt, rebuilt a little kinda. bit. Kind of, it was rebuilt. <clears throat> well, I a, a lot of the motor was in good shape. I mean, yeah. I had to hone the pistons. They went through, double checked everything, checked it all out. I'm not sure. I mean, I think he put new bearings and stuff in. I'm pretty sure he did all that stuff. I'd assume was, if it was split, they were. It was split down. They did everything, but the reality is, once I got that motor in, I got the fuel injection timed in right. I mean, that thing freaking ran like a beast. I mean. It ran so good that the 135s in the front were way too small for driving that car because yeah. it was sketchy. And I'm not a 135 front tire guy, but with the offset the Cosmics and all that stuff, it really couldn't run anything other than that on the front of that car. But my new my new type uh, my new type 34, I'd like to put at least a 195.50 on the front. You know, 195.45 just a nice wide tire, so that I get some actual 175.55 would look better. Some tro- some some uh, some some traction there, but um, I. Uh, I definitely, you know, I, I'm a, I'm a type four guy. Every time I, I start thinking about building a new car, I'm thinking type four. The last three cars I've had have all been type fours. You know, the bull run bus, the carbon cab, the type 34 Gia the split one that's coming out. It's type four. And I'm, I swear by the type fours just because they're just a kick in the pants to drive. I mean, you drive one of those type fours, a 20, you put a 2600 in the back of a bug and you can street drive it. You can lug it in traffic. You can be cruising on the freeway and just roll on the throttle and keep with traffic or pass people without downshifting or that kind of stuff. You put a big block type four in a type one and the thing's like a V eight in the back. I mean, it's just a monster. I mean, it's, it's a very different beast to, to drive. Yeah. It's a, it's, you know, what I was saying earlier when I was trying to make a point about something is the three double cabs we have in this town with the big engines in them. When you drive those, it's a very different experience than driving anything else and I, I got a big motor on my bus and and i and i drive it i'm pretty froggy with my car i'm always hammering it there's a very big difference when you hammer the throttle when you have 2600 cc's under your foot it is super impressive very impressive but now i'm sold on type fours as far as their reliability and the power they make is uncomparable in the type one world not uncomparable because you could you could build similar engines to it but they are superior in, in some aspects and inferior in others. Um, another thing that I really don't care for on the type fours is sumps. How come you can't add a sump going by our man Berg's rules. As soon as you dual carbon engine, it should have a sump on it because of how fast a motor revs up and you don't want to have a uh, cavitation. So a sump is something Sumps are for losers. Hey, I'm, <laughs> I got kidding. a, Ber- I got a Berg I'm sump kidding. on my motor. I'm and I'm, I, I think they, even, listen, they got to make us, they got to make a sump. Let me even see when I, I do any, dual carb upgrade even on stock engines we usually add a cb wide glide sump to those on lower cars the cb wide glide just because you can still get two quarts and not have clearance issues with them you know i'm a i'm a i'm a fan of them so he does have on oh, that type one four liter oh, just good. type four oh. high capacity oil sump let's boom. see how that goes on boom where right, right here type four right here type four csp 1.5 liter on csp's website well, boom. look at that Boom. I stand corrected. So you don't stand corrected. You just say, hey, I learned something new. My big brother taught me something again today. That's good. I'm man, glad I was able best. to take it on my chicken wing and show you how it is. But, man, it makes me want to get a sump. You should have a sump. I should. All you guys should have sump listen, in your engine. It, is, it will be, the and as you saw from. So what listen, happened on the carbon it's cap? It's only 180, 198 uh, euro. Too. Oh, that's all? That's all. They're almost giving it away. It's I don't know what I'm talking about when I say that type 4 stuff is expensive. Free. I don't even know. Okay, let's go back and see how much you're charging for a 1.5 liter Type One, uh, 1.5 so liter a high, Berg, capacity. high capacity oil sump. That's I what I have on my engine. I won't even look at that. Let's just go to this one. Why not? That's what I got on mine. Well, 109 euros, so it's 80 euro more, dude. Go to the Jimberg one. 80 euro more. That one's what? 300. Baller. 300 euro. But uh, you're paying for the name. Yeah. Well, like that's Jordan all right. I'll Ash pay Brown. for it. That's I got Berg Ash. linkage, Berg breather, Berg I sump, I got, look, Berg oil pump. You're talking. Hold on, hold on. Berg, hold on. Berg, you're Berg talk, shifter. You're talking to a Berg. Dude. You're talking to a dude who's got a complete Gene Berg engine in the garage. Oh my goodness, six eight to one compression. Oh, Shoot the, myself in fantastic. the face. It runs, oh. dude. It, it runs. It runs on 
fermented water. It does. It runs on anything, dude, because the compression's so low, but it's smooth like a sewing machine. Now, but, I'm gonna uh, have to, that's CSP's website. <clears throat> yeah. I'm going to have to turn uh, Scott and Sean. Well, you just let them know that I've actually turned everybody onto this. So actually, you know, Russell was telling me, Listen. Russell was telling me they made no. a, a, a sump for Type 4s. Yeah. Didn't check into it, so. Well, they make one. I, your big Look brother just showed you their way. So, there's the sump. So, you do get a, you, you can get a deep sump if you need one. You usually don't need one because Type 4s have run so efficiently cool. And I think a Type 4 just lends itself so well to go on dry sump, especially in a bus. You have that compartment off to the left that doesn't get used for a battery. Perfect oil storage. But who's running dry sump? Other than full drag guys, who's running dry sump? There's a couple guys. Nobody really. Who? Uh, Nobody. Oh, and Vintage. Oh, what is it? Yeah. Vintage three. Vintage three fifty six. Oh Who? my goodness, I forget Who his that? name. I met him at Prado. He's yeah. got a dry sump set up in his bug. Dang it. Oh, I I know who you're talking about. Hold on a second. He oh. makes the valve covers. How am I forgetting his freaking name right now? I don't know. My bad. So sorry about that, brother. So, uh, so I think we've settled it. I think type four wins out on a type one case. If you guys got something to say, you can, uh, feel free to post it up on our Facebook page. Let us know what you think. Type one versus type four. I made my case. My, my, my case, my bullet points were pretty strong, hard to deal with, hard to argue with those bullet points. I mean, cost to build. If you're, if you're doing a backyard build cost to build barrier to entry and you got a credit card with a three, four with a $5,000 limit, and you're going to build this thing. You can build. You can order the parts to build yourself your own Type Four, mostly because you can build a bigger motor without a lot of machining work, mm-hmm. with basic machining work that you can take to a regular machine shop. If you take a Type One, a Type Four case, and you take it, you take it to a machine shop, and you say, "I need these cylinders opened up a little bit on the heads and on that," is much cheaper than trying to find an American machine shop and taking a VW case and saying, "Hey, I need your clearances on the inside." Yeah. The guys are gonna look at you and go, "What?" What you say? That's why Rimco is so busy. There's yeah. so few places that actually, you know, that's one of the reasons why I don't do motors in house. They are just so much legwork, 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 legwork. Yeah, there's a lot of. I mean, it's just stuff it's it, and especially a VW engine. When you start getting into that, you know, a lot of builders don't even do VW engines anymore because of that. Well, a lot of a lot of builders don't do VW engines for multiple reasons, but uh, they're actually more difficult to build than most engines. They so. take more time. There's no question about yeah. that. The so, Type Four is an easier build, and here's a I think uh, I won George over. Here's a recommendation: if you are going to have an engine built and you have any mechanical skills, I suggest you build it yourself. Um, Berg always said that no one's going to care as much about your parts as, as you do because you shelled out the cash for them. So <laughs> I'm only laughing because Berg never met me. <laughs> yeah. Well, I said you had to have some mechanical ability. Oh. And that's where you fall really? short. Oh, really, bro? <laughs> really? You're really going to say that on the uh, podcast? You called yourself Three Bolt Billy like I 20 am three, look, times. I am Three Bolt it, Billy, when, but it, I do have mechanical ability. When it comes I have a to, lot of mechanical ability. When it comes to building an engine, three, built, three bolts don't cut it when it needs four. I built my motor. I built one of my own motors, and I did that one time. I you did and Ron it. Jones built your engine. Not me and Ron Jones. Me and Dino built my engine. Ron okay. Jones had nothing to do with Dino. it. Me and Dino built my motor mm-hmm. in his race trailer at his house. It took a, it took a bunch of time. I, I ported the heads myself. Shout out to Dino Bacalacalus. Yeah, yeah. The, my <laughs> little half Greek homeboy out there. Um, but I, I stood out there while his wife screamed at him every single night. Uh, Good times. And, and it was super uncomfortable. And I remember building that motor. What kind but, of motor was that? Was that a Type 1? I built that motor. It was all the was that a Type 1? Yeah, Type 1. Oh, why didn't you have a Type 4 going? I didn't know. I hadn't seen the light yet. You hadn't seen the light. Someone, you know what? The first time, I'm trying to remember the guy. When I was building the Bull Run bus, it was a guy named Ron. And I can't remember Ron's last name. Ron was out of the Bay Area. He had a primered panel on 16-inch Fuchs, and I, I ran into him somewhere. We're at the Classic. Somehow, I, I got to talking to this guy, Ron, pretty decent guy. I can't, remember, I can't remember where we got to talking. He's the guy that told me about Type 4s because he said, oh, man, you really should put a Type 4 in your bus. I'm like, why would you put a Type 4 in the bus? You know, because I was following the stigma like all the other zombies in the VW scene, thinking that the Type 4 was inferior. And he says, nah, man. He just kicked it to me with one thing. He says, look. You can build a 2.2 liter motor with 90% German parts and 10% aftermarket parts. And I said, sold. That was it. Game over. No, but after that, that's when I started going down the rabbit hole researching type 4s versus type 1s. And I think the type 4, the, the comment that I'm saying that I don't think anybody can argue too much with, if you want a high torque, solid grunt, reliable motor 
2.2 liters plus on the street, Type 4 is the only way to go. You can build your 2110 or your, what's your favorite motor? 2165, that's your favorite motor setup. What, what is it? The 20? 2232 is my no, favorite no, no, no. engine you used setup to have, now. You, have, you used to have one you swear by. 2017, 78.4 by 90.5. And I do like that combination, but I like the I like the 82 stroke. Or I'm sorry, but, okay, but you haven't put Gene Berg's theory to the test. Gene Berg's theory to the test, and the reason why he said biggest motor for the street was 2165 was because rod angle. Too much rod angle over long periods of time because his Gene Berg's goal mm-hmm. that everybody seems to forget about when they start talking yep. about, oh, Gene Berg says this, Gene Berg says that. The main thing he kept going back to was that if you want to build a motor that gets 100,000-plus miles, these are the things you need to do. He'd never said that you can't run Most those power, cranks. Yeah. You can't do his, his philosophy in his book that everybody can't understand the underlying tone was if you want to get factory reliability, 100,000 miles out of it, you know, do that. So your motor, it'd be interesting to see street driven motor after you put 50,000 on the thing, pull it apart and see if there's side wear on the piston and stuff like that. You know what I mean? I'm only, actually going to be pulling it apart sooner than that. Only wh- why? Uh, when I built it, my deck Don't. height is too high and I actually want, I'm going to buy a different head with more CC to lower my deck. Why? At, at the, that My motor in my bus is the very first motor I ever built, and my inexperience is one of the problems there. With that much deck, I have 120 deck, and those engine builders out there, they're all gasping right now like, what? Because you're always shooting for the area of 60 to 50, and I got 120, which is double what you'd want. Well, you put 120 it, to get your chamber up so you could lower the compression. To get the compression to 8, 9 to 1 compression. Actually, I think mine is 9 to 1. I have to look at my build sheet on it, but it's for the camshaft that went in it, for dynamic compression ratio and all that stuff like that, that was the desired, that was the desired compression ratio to set, and that's why I have the deck I have. And the reason why I want to eliminate the deck I have is because the excessive deck makes for an inefficient burn, which in turn is going to create more heat. So that's one of the things I will be changing on mine, and that's just a matter of preference and actually driving it now and real-world experience. Um, seeing my temp gauge when I hit hills, my buddy Chris in Arizona, you know, I was texting him back and forth on my way back from bus by the bridge and showing him my temp gauge going, this is kind of nuts. And, and he put it to me in real plain English, like plain English. You're driving a bus at a high rate of speed at a pretty high RPM. And you're looking at a 220, 225 on your temp gauge and you're complaining. He's, and he's like, you're, you're pushing it pretty so hard you, right now. So what are you changing it for? Uh, I'm, all, I'm, I'm, break it down. I'm changing it because I want to actually, it, it, it's a preference for myself Got to it. get a more efficient burn out of it and, and see if I'm going to lower my temperatures. He also gave me a couple other tips. I'm going to try an upper 356 pulley and some sort of choke that goes over your a, a vent that goes over your fan in the back to, to yeah, speed the, up air the speed. The that they put yeah, later on. Later. Well, what I think that I heard, if I, if I, if I heard correctly, what I heard was that you got to pull your motor back part before, before. I don't before have to. Well, you I don't know, have to do anything. Lot. You it runs still. Like, I know you don't it have runs great. to. I believe you. Bull run bus ain't never been pulled apart. I'm only saying. You didn't build the bull run bus and know that <laughs> there's a problem it. interior-wise that you'd go, oh, maybe if I change that, my temps are going to drop. That's just a preference uh, on my on my end. Well, I'll be honest with you. The motor doesn't you. need to be pulled apart. I'll be apart. honest with you. I got a set of gauges. I got a motor meter centered gauge set up in that thing, and it's never been hooked up. Doesn't work. Exactly. <laughs> I was going to say, like, I don't know what temps you think you're running. <laughs> and, and you know what? Uh, so I put my finger out the window, and I go, mm, doesn't fit. The, the Berg dipstick we were talking about. The Berg dipstick. It doesn't feel hot to me. The Berg dipstick that we were talking about earlier, you anybody who doesn't have a temp gauge on their car Bang and does out-of-state out out trips and, and pushes their car pretty decently and you don't have gauges, put one of those in there and see if your light flickers. See if when you hit a hill, if your light actually does flicker because there's no line. Once it hits a certain temperature, it's going to make your oil light flicker. So Eric Black is another gentleman in town who has a big motor bus that he's, he's my road dog. He's my, he's my sidekick on that one. What motors he have? He's got a 2017, I believe in his, uh, uh-huh. he might've changed it. I know Ronnie did a secondary engine for him. So this is the second one that's been in his bus. I don't know if the displacement changed. I know the camshaft did, but from my recollection it's 2017. Um, but he never had gauges, never worried about it. Always rode hard. You know, we, we get where we're going at a decent rate of speed and we finally put a bird dipstick in his and, and his light started flickering and uh, in in my opinion it probably always was reaching those temperatures oh yeah and you just didn't have anything that oh oh we're getting hot right now oh because you don't know unless you know you don't know right 
So you know, you don't know if you don't know. If you don't know, you don't know. Wise words. So, um, seems to me that this podcast has been kind of one-sided, mostly about type fours. George stepped up to say a few things about type ones, but I think, I don't know. I'm, uh, I think that uh, type fours. We got a linkage workaround. I'm going to be way more on board with with type fours. A linkage workaround. That's your big. So I've done CSB, I've done the vintage speed, and I've done the JC. Mm-hmm. All of them are bell bell crank styles, right? And um, all of them are nice. They look beautiful. All the good stuff. Like I said, the only thing I'm getting is when you get to a higher operating temperature than what you had it tuned for, you get the higher idle, which kind of bugs me. And I don't get that in mind. And I'll even get off the freeway. And obviously, I have gauges to look at on mine, and I know I'm warm because we just pulled a big grate or something like that, and we're we're pulling off yeah, now. Look at, my gauges never move, brother. Exactly, they're it, like it requires power and like, a sending unit for it to move. Well, listen, don't bog me down with the details, George. But what what I was saying is, my motor when I get up the freeway doesn't have an an altered idle. Um, my linkage didn't move; it didn't change. It's still holding the same. That's all right, bro. Because I'm listening to altered images while I'm getting an altered idle, and I'm completely cool with it. So. But <laughs> I've never really, my, I think I think the only habitual problem that I always had with my motor over and over again was sucking uh, intake, <laughs> intake gaskets. gaskets. It's so weird and too. The intake gaskets, <laughs> it's, yeah, it's because of the, it's because of clogged idle jets causing the intake gaskets, or maybe it's not surfacing or torque down on the head enough. Clogged idle jets. Yeah. At least that's what I've noticed. That's the correlation I've only made. I've, I've had two issues hmm. with clogged idle jets and sucking intake gaskets. When we were on bull run, that's the only issue we had. Well, sucking intake gaskets, is it, it, when we did it on bull run, bull run, it was after a very, very cold day. So things had shrank. Was and, it cold, and, dude? Because my gauge was still the same. Yeah, still the same. <laughs> so when we, when we pulled in, I'm sure it was plenty warm. And overnight, gauge didn't it went it. to freezing temperatures. Yeah. And that morning when we fired it up, it actually sucked in the intake uh, gasket, and I had to change that. You think it might have been because I was just rev tuning it? That's what I do when I started up, bro. I just flog like the Ferrari flog. tuning. So, getting back to uh, the overall podcast, I think um, I've made a really good case for the the type fours, um, George. I don't know where you're at on the type ones. I don't. I'm not, I mean, I I know that I know that you got it. I think I think the big thing with the type ones is everybody's just used to them. I think for uh, for a street motor, big torque. I think uh, and even professional engine builders that I talk to in respect to this that build type ones and type fours have said, yeah, you know, it just it makes more sense. People just don't want to pay for the heads or whatever the case is. But it's funny because where you pay for one thing on one motor, you don't pay for something on the other, and it ends up being dollar dollars out the door at the end of the day. I think it's relatively close. So, uh, I think we're going to leave it at that. Um, we've had the debate. I feel that, uh, I feel like uh, I'm kind of leaning on the winning side of the debate. I'm going to say, uh, if you got the pocketbook for it, a type four is going to be more bang for the buck. And what now, gonna, and, and what, I, here's what I, what, what I'd be curious correct, to test it against would be. I got to correct that statement because what I want to do, I want to do, I want to actually make a list of what it costs. Please do. Machine work. Please do. Engine. Okay, hold on. Induction. I I, hold on. Exhaust. Said, hold on. I said shrouding. I wanted to. Correct. I said I wanted to make a list. I don't know if I'm gonna do that. But I'm hoping about podcast land can post on letstalkdubs.com. Do a side by side comparison. What you pay for the core? So you could buy a core motor, 1.7. Take the headset and mount it. But I think if you did line by line, cost and expense out of the bottom, because you you keep getting hung up in this fan shroud business. But I think you can get you can get. Well, a if fan you're gonna shroud. put it into a bus, a, a split bus, you gotta upright it. And uprighting it costs money. Yeah, but, but I, no, I'm, I'm telling you. You can get all your Type oh, 110s in the area about 300 bucks for everything. But shroud, you can get a Bernie Bergman. Like you can get a Bernie Bergman. Oh, come on, man. Shroud. Who wants to run that, dude? Come on, dude. Well, let me go. What kind of problems you got? Do you want a Rabbit alternator or a Porsche so, alternator? Listen, that don't matter. It uh, does. I had a Bernie Bergman t- Porsche shroud set up on my single cab right in the trash. Actually, listen. I didn't. I sold it. I sold it, and, and no, it looked good, oh, and it, all that, all that all good stuff. All of a sudden, hmm. we went Type One and uh, Geneberg linkage, and all that good stuff on it. So you could buy a shroud setup from. I'm look how happy that Bernie Bergman. He's got to be fifteen hundred bucks easily for his setup. Well, so let's I, take a look. Excellent engine cooling. Boom. Mm-hmm. Let's see it. Ring standard bolt. Blah blah blah. Take a look at the airflow on the fan shroud. Still nothing. Uh, I think they. This is, uh, speaking of that, this is the motor that's on Lanny, the car that Lanny Hussey built. Mm-hmm. 
beautiful uh, Darren Dilly's car. That was in velocity stacks were killing it. Yeah, that was in uh, November 2006. So Lanny, Lanny, be coming up on the podcast here shortly. We got to finish up our podcast we're doing together. And he's on Bernie Bergman's website, by the way. That's where. Yeah, this picture is on Bernie Bergman's website that I'm referencing that picture for. If they have a price on their shroud. Crazy idea, put a price on And the mystery price is... Go down there. See where they got the shrouds. Measuring, selecting the fan shroud. So, Superflow shroud kit, right there. That's $1,500, best type one. Man, it's almost like I know what I'm talking about. No, it's $1,500. Well, how much are you going to I just told you it's $1,500, and I haven't looked at that thing ever. Okay, hold on. Okay. Ever. All right, let's let's talk about it, genius. How much is a brand new Bosch alternator? Brand new Bosch alternator. Now I use rebuilt piece garbage. Okay, so you're two twenty nine. Three hundred dollars there. Two twenty nine. Three hundred. Go ahead. Two twenty nine. A new uh, an OEM German fan shroud. Um, <clears throat> can't find one. Can no, you? but you wouldn't. Mm-hmm. That's not OEM. Nothing on that is OEM. I'm, Matter of fact, it's a machine rabbit about, alternator. Yeah, but if you're if <laughs> so, you don't are, hold me hold to the to the. If you're going this, by, but if you're going by, you, you can't. Says, res, as far you as can't cooling, put me in the in the confines of it. Has you. to be all. I'm caging you. You're caged German. animal. We're talking on top of each other. It's gonna sound horrible. It's gonna sound fantastic. Don't worry about people on podcast land. They're thankful for this podcast, right? And if you're thankful for it, did I mention? Once you like and subscribe. Like, yeah, like and subscribe. Do. Put 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 some comments on our. Uh, on our Apple Podcast comments, give us a good rating and uh, share the podcast with somebody. That's what you got. That's the least thing you guys in podcast land could do for me producing this podcast for you. Um, I could have been a little bit better in March. I'm not going to lie. I was on vacation. Holy and, uh, smokes! We had a couple things going out there, but listen, super look, annoying. We got some new equipment tonight. We're trying out, so uh, hopefully you guys like the sound of the podcast. The audio is getting a, a, quite a bit better, and uh, I'm going to be hitting the road to do some interviews coming up over the next little bit. But, uh, um. Yeah, so I was confining you and caging you like an animal, telling you had to use all factory. Uh, I don't have anything cool with factory stuff. tins on it. Matter of fact, it's even hard just to even get the bacon strips anymore and stuff like that underneath. Bacon all, strips. all my stuff, all my engine is all you know, MP shrouding. It's what everybody uses. You just got to do mods to it. You got to weld in areas and you know make things fit right. All right, so I don't think Berg, I don't think Bergman's gonna type for heater uh, fan shroud setup. So. No. At any rate, uh, you can get one from Jay Gravy. They're probably $14 million. Let's go yeah. on his website see how much they are. And uh, I don't know. I like the uh, – I'm a type 4 guy, bro. I just sure. You know, I don't know when I changed, but I changed. I mean, it was a few years ago, but I was sold. From the day I got that type 4, I have had – in the 18 years I've had the Bull Run bus, I've had probably 20 other Volkswagens at least. Mm-hmm. 20 other Volkswagens. 20 other motors, 20 other... And, and there's no, one that always consistently fires up and yeah, never lets you yeah, down. No bull run. So she's, hey, Raby builds a great motor. She dude solid. does nice stuff. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's, it's a good motor, not man. the friendliest dude to talk to, but he builds great stuff. Look, not everybody can have it all, like personality and good looks and you know be easy to talk to, but listen, the guy builds a good motor. I'm not going to lie. Um, but uh, yeah... That's been uh, pretty bulletproof and good to uh, good to me. So, um, so anyway, uh, we'll conclude this podcast. Uh, just wanted to thank everybody for listening, and uh, make sure if you got any comments or you want to you want to uh, let us know what you think about the debate type one versus type four. Go ahead on our Let's Talk Dubs Facebook page and give us some feedback. Throw it at us and let us know what you think and. Uh, Until next time, guys, let's talk dubs. Uh, Thank George T. for coming in today. Thanks for coming in, George T. Appreciate it, guys. All right. See you guys.